I bet you've heard the saying before that a dog is a man's best friend. So you know you're having a bad day when your dog shoots you in the back. This actually happened, by the way. Uh, back in 2011, in the great state of Utah, a duck hunter was going out early one morning with his trusty dog and his 12-gauge to hunt, and he was paddling around in a canoe in a marshy area of the lake where he was going to set out his decoys. He stepped out of the boat into the shallow waters, left his gun and his dog in the boat, and somehow... The dog discharged the weapon. And so 27 pellets went into this guy's posterior. He was fine, but it's no fun getting shot. A sheriff's deputy who was interviewed afterwards said, We are unsure what the dog's motives were for the shooting. We know somehow he set the gun off, um, and the dog is not talking. So I guess we won't know. But I think we've all been there before where you feel attacked. And sometimes, and this certainly heightens it, where you feel under attack from those who are close to you. Nehemiah certainly knew what this was like. And what he models for us in chapter 6 is really the way that we as God followers should handle our haters. How we should deal with criticism unfair criticism, untrue criticism. Now, what we've seen in the first five chapters so far, we have seen a man who is living almost in perfect alignment with God. From chapter one, we've seen this is a man of prayer. This is a person of great faith. This is someone who has made significant personal sacrifices in order to be part of a project that he, know God, that he knows God wants him to be a part of. I mean, he's moved a thousand miles away from a palace into this shambles of a city, Jerusalem, to oversee this rebuilding project. Uh, he has, has taken lots of abuse hurtled at him. This has not been easy. And so what I would tell you, just walking away from the first five, six chapters of Nehemiah, I would tell you, you are free to ignore, totally ignore the health and wealth preacher. You can ignore those who preach prosperity, who tell you that if you put your faith in God, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then you will have a problem-free life. Because that's just not true. Wasn't true for Nehemiah. Wasn't true for godly people like Peter and Paul. Wasn't true for godly women like Ruth and Rahab in the Old Testament. Wasn't true for people like Abraham. Wasn't true for Jesus. It's just not true that having faith in God opens up for you an easy life of prosperity. What is true is you enter into the life you are always meant to live. It is true that you will live in an abundance with God that is impossible living separate from God. And so when I look at the life of Nehemiah, I'm reminded that following God is always the right thing to do. It's not the easy thing to do. It's not the path of least resistance. And so he's living this life out. He's connected to God and Nehemiah had his haters. <laughs> He had his critics. I mean, as a wise man once said, said haters gonna hate. And this is certainly true in the life of Nehemiah. His opponents, as this mission nears 
completion, his opponents are more determined, more focused than ever to derail him, to diminish him, to destroy him. And this mission, I mean, if, if he's downloading an app, I mean, that green bar is all the way around. He is 99% loaded on this mission. We're told in the first verse of chapter 6 that the walls are up. We're told that there are no gaps in the walls. The only thing missing is they need to set the gates in those openings around the wall. So he is very close. And as I get to chapter 6, this is kind of a, a kitchen sink chapter. We've got three names mentioned that we've seen before. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem. They hate Nehemiah. They don't want him to succeed. And in chapter 6, they are going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at Nehemiah to try to stop him. I had a civics teacher named Sonny in the sixth grade. He was a good old boy. And Sonny Merrill used to say, he had a lot of little sayings from the, from the hillbilly sticks. And one of the things he used to say is, dogs don't bark at parked cars. And if you want to avoid criticism, stay parked. If you don't want to have haters, then don't try to do anything. Nehemiah is a target because Nehemiah is stepping out and daring to do great things for God. In chapter 6, verse 2, he says of his opponents, he said, I realized they were plotting to harm me. He understands the motives of these people who are out saying bad things about him. They want to hurt him. And the tactics we're going to see in chapter 6, the tactics are going to shift. They're going to try one thing, not going to work. They're going to try another thing, not going to work. They're going to try another thing. They are not giving up. They are incessant. So here are the first range of tactics, which are more like surgical strikes. They're going to try to take him out. Verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let's meet together at Hakaferim on the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way and I answered them in the same manner. By the way, if your enemies ever try to call you out to meet them at a place called Ono, that's probably a sign you should not go, okay? But he's called to the plain of Ono, which is about 40 miles from Jerusalem. So they are trying to get him to an isolated place far outside the protective walls that now stand around Jerusalem. And he knows it's a trap. He knows this is a one-way ticket. They want to get him out there and he's not making the return trip. They want to take him out. So four times they invite him. Four times he simply says, nah, my work's too important. Why, why should I stop it? Now, here's what I want to say as we kind of call a time out here in the text. Um, this is today in chapter 6. This is for us when we deal with unfair criticism, when we deal with untrue criticism. Sometimes in life, many times in life, we are going to deal with criticism. Not all of it is unfair. Not all of it is untrue. Some of it is stuff we need to hear. Stings a little bit, hurts a little bit. Some of it, though, is constructive criticism. 
So we see this in the life of of Nehemiah here. Now, when you get, get someone who cares about you, who knows you, who has your best interests at heart, who, who you can see over the years, they have sacrificed for you. They have ministered to you. And when they have something to tell you that might be hard for you to hear, the recommendation is you listen. They may, they may not always be right, but they have earned the right to be heard. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. Translation, if you listen to constructive criticism, you're a wise person. And a lot of people, they don't want to hear anything, right? If it's telling them they're doing something wrong or some kind of correction or you might want to fix this or that was a mistake, they don't want to hear it. But the wise person does. The wise person leans in and says, there might be something constructive for me. There might be something that I need to to put into practice here. Now, this is not the case in Nehemiah chapter 6. He should not have listened to Sanballat, Geshem, and Tobiah. Why? Because they didn't have a relationship. Or what relationship they did have, it was clear they wanted to what? Harm him. So, we've got this important filter when it comes to, do I need to receive this criticism, listen to this or not? Here's the filter. When it comes to criticism, consider the source. When it comes to criticism, be it Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or text or whatever, consider the source. Who is it that's challenging you? What relationship do you have? If it is somebody that knows you, that loves you, that has a relationship with you, that has your back historically, you lean in, you listen. Proverbs 27, 6, another wise word from Scripture. The wounds of a friend. I love this. The wounds of a friend, those injuries, they can be trusted. (laughs) But an enemy multiplies kisses. Do you understand that? What they're saying is your friend is going to sometimes, if they love you, they're sometimes they're going to have something a little hard for you to hear. They've got this relationship built up where they can tell you some things that, that may sound like a rebuke or a criticism. But they love you and they're trying to help you. It's so wise. In chapter 6 though, these are not friends. These words cannot be trusted. You know, I told people at first service, I'll share this too. I didn't have it in my notes this morning, but let me first preface this by saying, this is an incredibly loving and supportive church, let me tell you. And and in fact, if if you're new here and you've even been here a month, I bet you can feel it. You can feel the energy of this church. It is a loving, positive, healthy congregation of believers. This is a great place to do life, okay? Every once in a while, though, there are people here who who like to criticize, and every once in a while, Stephen, every once in a while, not often, two or three times, I've gotten an anonymous note, right, comes into the office. And you know what we do with anonymous notes, what Barbara does for me? Throws them out, throws them out. Consider the source. They won't put their name on it. Why would we listen to that? You know, I know that's what the elders do as well. But when I get a note from somebody that knows me and that loves me, I try to see if there's something of value that I need to take to heart, that I need to hear. Now, Nehemiah decides, I'm not going to get distracted 
by what my haters are trying to do here. He is locked in on this project that God has given him, and he is locked in on all of these partners that we've been reading about who are working with him to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. So here is a lesson that this may be the one thing you need to take home today. Here it goes. You never do big things if you're distracted by the small things. If you are consumed with all the chatter, the little things going on, you never get around to doing the big thing that you are supposed to be doing. I mean, the haters, the enemies, their first tactic in chapter 6 is this, get him alone and take him out. Um, They wanted to isolate him and they wanted to silence him and they wanted to stop that work. And when that tactic fails, they go from the private tactic to the very public tactic. So here we go, verses 5 to 7. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. This is Facebook. This is Twitter. This is something for the whole world to see. An open letter in his hand. In it was written. It is reported. I love this. It is reported among the nations. Like everybody's saying this. It is reported among the nations. And Geshem also says it. So we can trust Geshem, right? That eh. uh, you and the Jews, what? You intend to rebel. That is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you, Nehemiah, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah, and now the king, this is the king of Persia, the king of Persia is going to hear these reports. So now, come and let us take counsel together. Open letter, verse 5. Open letter. They want everybody to see these innuendos, these accusations, these false statements. Uh, This is, yeah, this is blasting someone out on Twitter. This is blasting someone on Facebook. And we've got these guys, Sandblatt, Geshem, Tobiah is going to come in a little bit later. They had a lot of followers, right? They had a lot of followers. People knew who, who they were and broadly respected them. There were people listening to them and they are circulating this letter for everybody to see. Open letter. And so in this official sounding report, They level two accusations against Nehemiah. One is just selfishness. Like, you're you're trying to make yourself king. This is all a big set. Everybody thinks you're the selfless servant that's doing all this work for them in the community. Really, you're a politician trying to make yourself king in Judah. So selfishness is the first charge. The second is far more deadly. Sedition. Insurrection would be the word, right? This in the year 2021. You are trying to foment rebellion against the Persian Empire, and that would really get people's attention. If you try to rebel against Persia, the outcome of that is not good. They would crush you. So the Persian army may roll in here any day and just crush all of us, and you're the one that's getting all of this going, Nehemiah. Now, he did not really respond to the first accusations they were making, but these are public, so he feels like he has to respond to them. And so he's going to step in, and his answer is going to be pretty brief. Verses 8 and 9. I sent to him saying, quote, No such things as you say have been done. 
You are inventing them out of your own mind. You are pulling this out of thin air. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, he prays again, but now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. This is Nehemiah saying, all of these accusations, it's a work of fiction. None of it's true. It reminds me of the story of the gifted young artist who was for the first time exhibiting his paintings in a gallery. Big nights. And in walked a notorious art critic. And then an art critic took a, took a look around at all of these paintings and then walked up to this young artist and said, do you want to hear my opinion? And the artist said, sure. The critic said, it's worthless. The artist said, I know, but tell me anyway. <laughs> he understood this guy's opinion didn't matter to him. He understood this guy's motives were not to build him up and help him grow. And so Nehemiah makes it clear, can't trust these guys. Their opinion is worthless. And he did what he always did. He prayed to God, strengthen my hands. Now the final tactic, this is really clever and really sneaky. His enemies are going to bribe a prophet. Okay, so they're going to bribe this prophet and, and this prophet is going to take a report to Nehemiah and say, you know, God has revealed to me that your enemies are going to kill you. You need to come into the temple. By the way, that's a violation of God's law for someone like, for someone like Nehemiah to go live like in the temple. But, but God has told me, you need to come and live in the temple and we'll hide you here. So this is the final plot. Verses 11 to 13, check this out. But I said, should a man such as me run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood. And I saw God had not sent him. But he had pronounced the prophecy against me because, and I think we need air quotes there, he had announced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had paid him off. They'd hired him. For this purpose he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Like we talked about at the beginning, this is his enemies throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him. Now they're paying off prophets to give false prophetic words to Nehemiah that he needs to come and hide out in the temple, which if he did that, A, he would be, and everyone would know it, he would be breaking God's law, and B, he would be a coward. Look at Nehemiah. He's so scared. He's hiding out there in the temple. And so we've got all of these rumors and innuendos and false truths that are circulating about Nehemiah and about his goals. And the final part of the chapter lets us know this drum of constant criticism and rumor, it was, it was heavy, okay? So here's what's going on. And, and as I read this, these names are not going to mean a lot to you, Okay? But these names would have meant a lot to people at this time in this place because 
These are heavy hitters. These are leaders in the community. And they are involved in circulating reports about Nehemiah. Verses 17 to 19. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah, they sent many letters to Tobiah. So these are the enemies of Nehemiah. They're trading correspondence here. And Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him. They owed him money, okay? They were bound by oath to him or they owed him something else, some favor or some appointment or something. They were to to take him seriously. Many were bound by oath because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, the son of Jehohanan, and he had taken the daughter of Meshullam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. They spoke of his good deeds in my presence. Tobiah is a good guy, Nehemiah, and reported my words to him. Basically, they're spying. <laughs> and Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. So what I want you to see is this is going on all the time. This poor guy, he's got a lot of haters to deal with. So to finish our time in God's Word, let's just pull out some very practical things that we can do. Again, we're not talking about the criticism that we get that we should listen to. We're talking about the times that we are criticized, that we are bullied, those times that we should not listen. It's untrue. It's unfair. These are people that don't care about us. So what do we do? The first thing we do is what Nehemiah did. We take it to God in prayer. We get outside of our own feelings. We take it to God in prayer. We connect to the eternal one. And that's what Nehemiah does there in verse 9. Second thing he does is he doesn't get distracted. He stays laser focused. Don't let your critics pull you off your mission. That's in verse 4. In verse 8, he confronts falsehood directly with the truth. He doesn't let these rumors just circulate and get traction. He says, you're making that up. That stuff came out of your own minds. This is, has no basis in reality. And so when his enemies do go public with this nonsense about his motives to make himself king and to start a rebellion against Persia, he calls it out, you know. He doesn't say much. If you notice, Nehemiah doesn't have a lot to say, but he does call it out. Then take courage. This is so important. We see this with Nehemiah. Take courage. Those who do big things will get criticized. Amen? I mean, it's the way it always happens. Nehemiah, doing something big. Naturally, he gets criticized as enemies. Um, Jesus, did Jesus get criticized? I mean, Jesus was perfect. Lived the perfect life. And if Jesus had critics and haters, we will too. In fact, Jesus tells us, be ready for some haters. Well, that's my paraphrase of John 15, verse 18. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Know that this is, this is normal. This is normal. Uh, in other words, don't get surprised as a follower of Christ when not everyone thinks that's just great. And not, only, not everyone is supportive of what you're doing and saying. So the only way for Nehemiah to escape criticism would have been for Nehemiah to stop, to check out, to go back to Susa, to, to, to leave the work incomplete. That would have been the only way for him to shut down his critics. He had to abandon what God had called him to do. Obviously, he wasn't going to do that. And I think this is a good rule for life. Just remember, criticism avoidance is not the goal of life, okay? 
Some of us, if you're like me, I like to avoid conflict. I don't enjoy criticism. I'm not someone that's looking to get in a, a Twitter war with anybody or a Facebook battle with, with anybody. And some, of it, some people do like that. But if you're like me, I, I try to avoid that. I don't want criticism. I don't want hostility. At the same time, the goal can't be to avoid criticism. Or you'll have to shut down and basically do nothing. And don't seek revenge. It hurts. It stings. Don't seek revenge. Take it again to God in prayer. That's what Nehemiah does in verse 14. He lifts up the names of his adversaries. God, God, you take care of these people. I'm not going to lash out. You take care of them. And then finally, and this is so critical for us as disciples of Jesus. This is one little, one little detour I'm going to take from Nehemiah chapter 6 is this. Pray for your haters. Pray for your haters. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Look, it, it's, a hard, it's a tall mountain to climb. Love your enemies? Wow. I mean, we struggle sometimes to love each other, my wife and I. I mean, I struggle with my kids to love them sometimes. It, it's tough. Love your enemies? woo but what we can do as we seek that lofty goal as Jesus loved us when we were his enemies, what we can do is this very practical advice that anyone can do right now today. Whatever you feel in here, you can decide, I will pray for them. I will pray for my enemies. I will ask God to show them the way. And isn't that what Jesus did? He surrendered himself to his enemies. He was hauled outside of the walls that Nehemiah built to a hill called Calvary. And as he was dying at the hands of his enemies, remember what he said? Father, forgive them. He prayed for them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And because Jesus surrendered himself, he became a sacrifice. And he changed you and me. He changed us from being enemies of God to being cherished children of God. If we put our faith in the gospel and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God. You know that third day when Jesus rose triumphantly? What an exclam exclamation point on the gospel story to say love really does conquer all. Hate will not have the final word. And this morning, if you want to join your life story to his great story, the redemptive story of God, and become this agent of love and redemption in the world, you can choose to be his disciple today, to put your faith in Christ, to be baptized in the name of Jesus, having your sins washed away, and the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit coming into your life to help you from that point forward. You can make that decision today, or we would love to just get with you and pray about whatever it is that's on your heart.